The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the sports betting network. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is a Friday pretty much everywhere, unless you're listening in different parts of the country that are a little ahead of time. And it is your favorite show. Every show that is live here on VSN, I assume, is your favorite show. we got a good one on tap today. Steve Mackinan, Points for Weekly Editor, is going to be with us in a few as we discuss some of his systems uh, for the All-Star Game, which comes up this weekend in the association. Also, touch a little bit on some motorsports, because Daytona 500 coming up, and he, of course, runs those simulations in Points Spread Weekly. Remember, keep in mind, and I'll let, you, let him give you the details on it, but... He reruns those simulations uh, after you get um, after you get to see the drivers on the track. So we'll see what's going to happen there. But Steve Mackinac is going to be with us in about 15 minutes from now. Scratch that. Yeah, 15 minutes. All right. Uh, it's right in front of me. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, anyway, it's that Friday type of day. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it's the All-Star game, All-Star weekend. So you get a little break in terms of hoops action tomorrow and Sunday. Absolutely loaded in terms of college basketball, which we're going to get into here. We've got golf going on. So it's like a leisurely few days. Uh, mother-in-law's coming into town. So, you know, we're about to party it up in the Von Tobel household. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be great. Uh, really quickly, before we get into what we have planned here, because we're going to go over some of the biggest car uh, Saturday and Sunday games in college hoops. wanted to mention briefly, so last night, the NBA was, you know, the first uh, or the last day before the break. And uh, we did see some pretty good games. But I just wanted to uh, not even rant, just point something out here. So last night, the Miami Heat get a 111-107 win over the Charlotte Hornets. They win that game in double overtime. And I'm sorry, Santos, I know I didn't put this in rundown. I'm just going to spend like 60 seconds on it. Um, but, like, there was a basket. Kyle Lowry hit a two-point shot. Right, uh, that was counted as a three-point shot, even though it was clearly inside the arc. Never reviewed, never looked at. Game goes on to double overtime. That was in the first overtime, and the Heat go on to win. We could argue, right, that the Hornets probably should have won that game. I just want to say really quickly, the NBA has multiple deals with sportsbook operators. Uh, FanDuel and DraftKings are, you know, the co-betting partners of the NBA. These things shouldn't be happening anymore. And it happened again last night, and I think it's absolutely unacceptable that it continues to happen in this day and age where things are easily reviewable and easy to go back and look at. So that's it. should probably touch on that uh, and note it. And uh, over the NBA, get your ish together as we head into All-Star Weekend. And what a weekend it'll be. We'll preview some of those. With that, let's look at what is going to be the first weekend without football coming up in a while, and let's talk a little bit about some college hoops because it's a good card this coming weekend. We touched on a couple of situations yesterday with Tim. Kind of wanted to expand on those. Uh, But – 
we're going to take this opportunity. Some lines are starting to pop up. So if there are lines on the board, uh, I'll make sure to go ahead and point those out. But for right now, uh, we're going to see some of the numbers up on the screen if you're watching. These are going to be Ken Palm projections. All right. So the numbers you see right now for me, for, so for example, Illinois and Michigan State, where we'll start right now. Michigan State minus one with a total of 141. Uh, those are the Ken Palm projections. The market usually reflects those. So it's just going to give you an idea of maybe where this line will open up. And like I said, some of these games, they are starting to pop up on the board. So if that is going to be the case, I'll let you know if that is up. But regardless, let's start there because uh, this is obviously big revenge spot for Michigan State. Lost at Illinois 56-55 January 25th. Neither team really in good form at this point. Michigan State 4-5 and five straight up in their last nine games. 1-3 and three straight up in their last four. They are 1-4 and four ATS in their last five. We know what happened the last time we saw them blowing that game to Penn State. And then Illinois... They've failed to cover their last three. They're one and two straight up. And if you go back to their last 11, they've only covered three games. And on the road this season, true road situations, the Illini, three and six ATS. So when you look at the Spartans and the situation here, coming off of that meltdown against the Nittany Lions, they led by 14 in the second half at one point, but ultimately lose outright. You also have A.J. Hoggard, who looks like is going to be questionable to play. Best individual assist rate in the country, 48.9%. Uh, yes, in the country. That was according to Ken Palm. Leads the team in fouls drawn per 40 minutes. Be a pretty big blow if he can't go here for the Spartans. So if he's not out there, would expect maybe Illinois minus one or something like that. But you'll probably see this open in this range. These are two teams that I think are identical. But I wonder, because we're going to talk about a couple of these, there are a lot of revenge spots, right, on the card this coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday. But we saw a really good example of sometimes it's not the best thing to just blindly bet on the team that's in the revenge spot. San Francisco last night, right, against St. Mary's. St. Mary's takes care of business against the Dons, who kind of stink and are definitely not the 25th best uh, team in the country, even though Ken Palm says so. So Michigan State would look for a tight spread there. And we're kind of, if, you, if you're if you watching the show, you can kind of see that's what the vibe we're going with. There's some relatively tight numbers, although there's one big double-digit spread there that I do want you uh, to focus in on, which we'll talk about that Arizona-Oregon game momentarily. Uh, let's talk about the big one, though. Texas Tech at Texas. Ken Palm projection here. Texas, one-point favorite with a total of 123. A massive revenge spot for the Longhorns. Went to Lubbock, got dump trucks 77-64 to 64 by Texas Tech. We know that Chris Beard, of course, is looking for revenge against Texas Tech as he left them at the – not at the altar. He was there for a couple of years and led to some unprecedented heights, but left them in the dust, went to Texas, uh, and they did not like that. And the fans let them know that in the road game in Lubbock – so it seems like Texas Tech would be kind of flying into uh, a hornet's nest here, as Newman's put it, uh, for Texas, the other, the other side. Since that loss, Texas, though, 3-1 straight up in ATS. The offense has been better. Offensive rating a 114.6 on Kansas. Offensive rating a 110.4 in the game against Oklahoma on Tuesday. However, and this, is, this kind of ties into what we're talking about here, right, like blindly playing some of these revenge spots, Texas defensively, Last four games, they've allowed 1.07 points per possession or more in four out of five. In Big 12 play, they've been the worst team in defensive free throw rate. They can't defend without fouling. They lost Trey Mitchell for personal reasons. Remember, started 17 games, 8.7 points per game, four rebounds per game, 47.8% shooting from the field. And while he wasn't out there last time, is this the game where you start to feel his absence if you're the Longhorns? But Tech has their own personnel issues. Kevin McCullough didn't play against Baylor due to an ankle sprain. He's questionable here. Team's best facilitator, right? 10.8 points, 5.3 rebounds. 3.2 assists. So given the personnel things, the issues for both teams, I still think that this spot for Texas is strong enough to where I might look 
at laying this, especially if it's like one and a half, one, two, you know, a little, no more than like that two and a half range for Texas. So I'm interested to see what the market does here because the Ken Palm projection is one with a 123. Odds makers don't blindly put it up. They'll shade it to one side or the other. I would expect Texas as a side, considering they're at home in a revenge spot, uh, would be the side to get shaded to. So maybe it opens a little bit higher, like one and a half or two. Uh, but clearly, I think from a narrative standpoint, best game on the board this weekend, Texas Tech to Texas. And those Red Raiders, do not forget, as we'll point out many times, now 12-2 and two against the spread in the last 14 games. They have an absolutely fantastic market. Keep sleeping on them. SEC, really good SEC card this weekend. A lot of high-leverage SEC contests. Ty Ty Washington and Kentucky. Let's talk about this. I don't know if Washington's going to be available. Seems pretty unlikely for ta- for Kentucky this weekend. The Ken Palm projection 10 with a total of 156. Kentucky favored at home against Alabama. Now, Washington played against Tennessee. But if you remember, left that game early. Looked kind of hampered. And Calpar even expressed regret in playing him afterwards. And you look at this in terms of Kentucky offensively without Ty Ty Washington on the floor, because they've kind of, they haven't been great, right, without Ty Ty Washington. We can go back to the Auburn game, which they lost him almost halfway through, and they ended up, you know, um, letting that game slip, and they won comfortably, the Tigers did, in a matchup that was much more lopsided in favor of Kentucky before Washington's injury. The last time we saw them, too, against Tennessee, and even just the numbers, according to Hoop Explorer, which, by the way, shout out to Jim Root of Three Man Weave, who uh, got me on this website, Hoop Explorer. Uh, is a great site if you like the on-court, off-court numbers like I do, defensive and offensive efficiency numbers. But according to their site, Wildcats, 120.3 points per 100 possessions with Washington on the floor, but only 104.2 with him off the floor. So if Washington's not going to play, this Kentucky offense can really fall off. And think about this, because Oscar Deshiway can only play so many minutes, uh, and the minutes in which Deshiway's not going to be out there could get dicey. When Deshiway and Washington are off the floor, Kentucky's actually negative 4.2, getting outscored with 4.2 points per 100 possessions without either of those guys on the floor. So those bench minutes could get pretty dicey in a spot here where you're laying a pretty big number against Alabama. But as we know, Crimson Tide haven't been much better. They have won three straight, but they've only covered one of them. They're 2-10 and 10 ATS in their last 12 games. Initial thought would be, I think we've seen enough here this season that if Ty Ty Washington's not going to play, and this is indeed going to be like 10, 10 and a half in favor of Kentucky, Crimson Tide might be pretty tempting tomorrow. All right, with that, now a lot more games to get to, and whatever we don't finish here, we'll wrap up at the back end of the edge because it is a pretty good college basketball weekend. But the Notre Dame and Wake Forest is like sneaky sexy, folks. Wake Forest, six-point favorite potentially. Uh, this is Ken Palm numbers again with a total of 142. Irish, first place in the ACC. Big contest here. Deeks have been playing well. They're 8-2 ATS in the last 10 games. They're 10-5 ATS this season at home. Irish have won five straight. They've done somewhat well on the road this year. They've won seven out of ten games on the road. Uh, but I, like my question is, when you look at this just statistically, you do wonder how both of these teams operate offensively. Wake Forest, second-best defense in ACC play. They're giving up just under a point per possession. Defense rating in 99, only 44.7% inside, 31.4% along the perimeter. And the Irish take... 41% of their attempts from deep, third most points from three-point shooting in the ACC. Deacons give up nothing on the perimeter. So you just wonder how both of these teams operate from an offensive standpoint. You know, 140, look, I'm barely an NBA, I'm not an NBA totals guy. And <laughs> a college totals, so you can miss me. I've gotten burned on a couple of these. Uh, but 142 seems like a somewhat high total given the offensive profile for both of these teams and how they both defend. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. But projected spread, you can probably look for Wake Forest minus six with a total of 142. Um, let's go on to Auburn at Florida. Actually, you know what? Let's skip Auburn, Florida. Auburn's on the road against Florida. Florida kind of stinks lately. It uh, looks like they're going to be in a they're in a revenge spot, as we put it there, but uh, Auburn head and shoulders above them. Ohio State and Iowa is the one I want to focus on really quickly before we get out of here. Ohio State projected line of four with a total of 158. 
Short turnaround for Iowa. We just saw them lose to Michigan. Now they're back in action on Saturday. They're 2-4 and four ATS in their last six, and their defense, man. Michigan last night, 1.1 points per possession. Uh, Maryland, 1.2 points per possession. In the game, the Hawkeyes eventually won. They're giving up 104.9 per 100 in Big Ten play. In Ohio State, they've covered six out of the last seven games. Their offense has been incredible. 109, the offensive rating or more in seven consecutive contests. So it seemed somewhat short to put Ohio State minus four or looking at some of the projections, especially against a defense like Iowa. So we'll see if that's going to be the case coming up on Saturday. But we got a lot more to get to. We're going to touch on a couple of these other ones, like Tennessee, Arkansas this coming weekend. Uh, Like I said, Arizona and Oregon uh, might not seem great, but the Ducks uh, have been showing some consistency. And 17 is a pretty big number to lay in that spot. And Michigan maybe starting to find some momentum after what happened against Iowa. Potentially, we'll see if that's going to be the case, but a big matchup against Wisconsin this coming weekend. We also get news out of Rutgers after that big win, how they're going to handle a pretty tough spot over the weekend against Purdue without a key member of their personnel. On the other side, let's talk a little NBA and All-Star Weekend and Daytona 500. Steve Mackinnon, editor of Points Road Weekly, is going to join us. We'll get his system on Daytona 500 and what he's expecting from the All-Star game. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Stop and welcome in. If you missed out on any part of our show or anything of the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VSIN.com slash podcast. Get beat to the book with Gil Alexander. Market Insights, Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got hardwood handicappers. If you don't know what it is, Google it. It's fantastic. Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. All free and available now. VSIN.com slash podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yeah, we were having a conversation off the air, uh, the details of which uh, will be kept secret. But I will say this. I did Google myself, and some uncomplimentary things just did come up. Uh, one, a picture of me from high school in like a mirror selfie. Not great in the Google da- the database. Uh, also, a picture of Ben Fox for some reason, which I don't understand. Uh, and then, of course, my Twitter handle. So, at me, JBT. Give me a follow. Just don't send. I've had the high school picture sent to me, okay? I get it. I took a mirror selfie, although I will say... I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm a handsome guy back in the day, huh? All right. Uh, let's talk to Steve Mackinnon, another handsome guy. I'm willing to admit it when I see it. Steve Mackinnon is with us to give us some time to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in Point Spread. What's up, Steve? How you been, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'd like to see that high school picture, if you don't mind. Uh, you know what? If I Santos, if I send it to you, could you could you get it up? 
Okay, I'm gonna, I'll email it to you. We'll get it up to you by the end of the uh, segment here. Uh, but before we get to that, and we'll have that treat by the end, uh, walk us through. I want to start with uh, the All-Star break and your column today, or one of your many pieces in Point Spread Weekly, and the All-Star game itself, uh, because I thought you broke it down pretty interestingly, but can you walk people kind of through your process and what you wrote about here in Point Spread Weekly in terms of setting up these rosters, projecting minutes, and then how you come to a essentially a spread and how you think you'd play these games? Yeah, so the uh, article is, I guess, sort of many-fold. It starts off with a, a little bit of a history of the uh, All-Star Game and from a betting perspective. Uh, a couple things people are going to want to know right off the bat here. I mean, we got a run of 13 out of 15 overs in this game. It's mm. crazy. And then uh, favorites have won seven straight games, going 5-1-1 one, and one against the spread in that time. Typically, it's the LeBron team the last four years that's uh, won the game. He seems to be a better drafter. Maybe he gets some better advice somewhere along the way. Uh, the other part of the article, of course, is uh, me figuring out my method or showing my method for uh, how I project a theoretical point spread in the game. And what I do in it is I take the, uh, the Hollinger uh, player evaluation ratings on ESPN and uh, they give you a, a quantitative figure on that. So it may be a value per se of each player. And I, multiply my what I expect the minutes to be played for that player in the game based upon past all-star games, uh, the trends I've seen. And uh, what I do is I combine those, cross-reference those minutes against the uh, PERs, and I come up with a complete overall strength rating for each team. And for this year, we got a pretty wide disparity. Once again, LeBron's team in my projections is predicted to be about 8.6% better than Durant's team. Okay, I like it. So if you look at the odds that are posted right now, um, and you know what's funny is I would kind of agree with that assessment, and yet it is Team Durant that is a five and a half point favorite with a total of three twenty two. Do you bet the like that's a pretty big edge by your own numbers right there? You, would that make you get involved, or it's an all star <laughs> game? Who the hell cares? I don't care what kind of thing comes out of my numbers. I'm not getting involved in something like this. It, it's a massive difference here. I've never seen something like this in terms of how my. Uh, my formula came compared to uh, the actual odds. I mean, that's a 16 point or what 18 point difference. If you look at a 320 point total. So if it, let's say that we're looking at 321 and a half, I think it is that on my third or 8.6% difference represents about a 13 or yeah, 13 point difference on the spread. So yeah. that's a massive swing there. And, the only thing that can change this, I guess, is if you will, is if the playing times are a little different. Typically, I like I I'll project some of the younger, more if you want to call them more fit guys to be playing more minutes, like a John Morant, somebody like that, probably, or guys playing in a first All Star game. They tend to be given maybe a, a little bit more uh, leeway and time to. Uh, feel themselves out in the game. So uh, it's the only thing I can think that might cause such a difference like this, but uh, just crazy to me. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll interrupt this program really quickly asking you shall receive Steve Mackinnon. Our production crew is among the best uh, in the world and they went and they pulled it. So here you go. High school, Jonathan Von Tobel uh, showing off the cuts and the bad tattoo. How about this? Huh? That's like uh, I think that's 19 years old. Hair's the same, but uh, body weight, definitely not. Look at this, huh? Hey, uh, you look sculpted on there, too. Uh, that's uh, pretty good. Trust me. Yeah, that was uh, that was back in the day. I, trust me. I was a strong guy. <laughs> I still kind of am. It's just covered up by fluff. Um, and also covered up, speaking of which, the tattoo was covered up as well. Not really proud of it. May or may not have been some things involved that, that at 19 you probably should not be consuming. Regardless, uh, let's move on. <laughs> we don't need to talk about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. Let's not, let's not <laughs> talk about that. Uh, all right. So we talked about this again 
and the point spread weekly and the total. Everything is madness when it comes to these all-star games. Who the hell knows and uh, who knows who's going to care. But again, five and a half with a total of 322 or 321 and a half, depending on where you look. Um, we also, I wanted to touch on Daytona 500 with you. And back in the day when it was just me on the edge, we would have you on uh, consistently. We'd always talk about these in terms of your systems and the way you simulate these races. So with this season getting started, walk people through what you do with these races and how you operate. Because not only do you run your initial simulation, uh, you run them again after uh, we see them on the track, correct? Correct. So I'll do this every single race uh, this season. Uh, I have a, a simulation uh, formula that goes back, I'd say, at least a dozen years now where I've projected these races out uh, one through 40, if there's 40 cars in it. And it, it, it takes into account several different factors. Uh, how a guy qualifies and practices that particular week, uh, how he does at that specific track, uh, and I what I call a handicapped rating. I, so if a guy if a guy crashes out five laps into a race, I, I tend to just toss that result out. Mm. Uh, so so then I'll take a track rating, a track designation rating, which takes into account that track and tracks that I deem to be similar, uh, and then how that guy is doing recently as well. So that, basically, five factors. I do that for a driver and car. It turns into ten factors. So I, I put a formula together, give each driver, if you want, an overall power rating. And that basically, uh, that power rating will basically sort the drivers out in the uh, expected finish. I like it. So as we kind of look at this race, Daytona 500, uh, from what I understand, Steve, and I hope I'm, I'm being clearly facetious here, this is one race which you can really handicap with accuracy. <laughs> You're being clearly facetious. <laughs> this is... Daytona is the only track out of the 25, whatever, 24, 25 tracks that I give a handicapability grade of F2. And I'll share that grade for every race for the track. So there's certain tracks like Auto Club Speedway next week, way more easily handicappable. You're probably going to want to wait. If you're really serious about looking at past results, doing some regression, that type of thing, you're going to want to wait till next week. If you want to hit an underdog, though, this is your week. So, like, that next, that kind of leads me to my next question then. Like, is this to the point where it's, like, just completely don't get involved here? Is there a way to attack a course in a race like this that, that has such a low handicapping grade? Is it matchups? Is it top tens? Or is it for you just this is too random at times, and it's for me there's nothing worth the value that I can really get involved because it can be that random? Okay, typically I would say I would – probably not use any type of regular statistical methods to do this. But, however, in watching the the action last night on the track in the two duels, there was some clear separation in how these teams worked together with one another and were able to really uh, – you saw a lot of single-file type of racing. And uh, the teams that worked better together had a clear advantage here. So uh, depending on how things go Sunday, this might turn out to be much easier than the, tip, the normal Daytona 500 if that plays out the way we saw last night. All right, and before we get you out of here, Steve, I want to give a hat tip, too, to one of the other things that you wrote about, and maybe you can give us the, uh, you know, the bird's-eye view of it, and people can go to Points Read Weekly and read it as a whole, but uh, your adjusted schedules and the betting opportunities in college basketball that are there, you know, we're seeing some of these teams being forced to play in some tight situations. We were just talking about Iowa, right? Iowa plays Michigan last night, turn around, now you got to play Ohio State tomorrow. Saw a lot of it in the Mountain West, too, but what did you write about there? Yeah, so basically, I wrote about a, a, the situations for teams playing different schedules than usual. You, you get you have a lot of rescheduled games being shuffled in here. So, you, uh, on a typical season, you'll on a Thursday night action, let's say you'll have the teams on equal rest. Uh, they had played last Saturday, so you're looking at a four-day rest scenario. 
Now you're getting a situation where one team has two days rest, the other team has four days rest. And what I found is the teams on the short rest, and maybe either back to back or that single full day of rest, uh, they're not they're not doing real well. They're uh, since particularly since February started, they're under 40 percent against the spread. The first three days of this week, they're 15 and 17, so they're continuing to lose. And uh, my article shows a bunch of games for uh, tomorrow lined up already that uh, you're going to want to consider if you believe in that strategy. Yep. Uh, one of the most extreme examples, St. Mary's uh, just took care of San Francisco last night, back at it on Saturday against BYU, who has been off for a full week. So seven days off for BYU and uh, two days off, or two days between games for St. Mary's. Uh, Steve, always good to talk to you, man. Appreciate it as always. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too, JVT. Thanks. You got it. Steve Mackinac. See, that's the kind of guy, you know what? You need a little self-deprecation. You know, I'll, I'll go find an old Google picture of myself. Although... I will say some nice cuts there. Wasn't that embarrassing? You know what I mean? Come on. Those are P90X muscles right there, huh? <laughs> All right, we'll come back. Uh, we're not done with the NBA. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend. Not the All-Star Game. Like, I'll hit on that. I, I, I kind of like LeBron's team from a roster standpoint. Uh, but the skills competitions and, and what's at stake there, the, the, the three-point contest, the field kind of stinks. But I think there's a guy near the bottom of the board uh, that is worth a shot at about 6-1. to one. We'll tell you who that is when we return. is the edge on VSN the sports betting network VSN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness you get Visa all access to everything we do from now through College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now. Get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, break, uh, bracket breakdowns. I was going to say bracket breakdowns. Uh, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. Deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit VEASAN.com slash madness to sign up today. So, <clears throat> as we were talking about uh, with uh, Steve McIntyre, just to reset um, – the all-star game itself. Again, don't want to go to uh, let's break this down position by position. I'm going to start with the wings here for team LeBron. Uh, no, not really, but I will say uh, I do like LeBron's team like a little bit more than Kevin Durant's. And I was really surprised um, that there was quite the edge in the line. And then reading Mackinnon's article and seeing that he gives such an edge to team LeBron to the point where like, if this was a regular season game, it would be like a, it would be beyond a max play. You'd be betting it a couple of times uh, if there was actually that much of a difference. But for those who don't know, Team LeBron, uh, his starting five, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Uh, his reserves, Jarrett Allen, Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic, Darius Garland, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Fred Van Vliet. Compared to Kevin Durant, who gets Embiid, Morant, Tatum, Wiggins, and Trey Young as his starters, with LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, DeJounte Murray, Carl Anthony Towns, and Draymond Green, who's not going to play. Um, I feel like LeBron drafted better. LeBron now is extremely flawed in terms of the way that he builds teams, i.e. the Lakers, if you've watched them play at all this year. Uh, but still, I think Team LeBron would have the edge, and Steve Mackinnon's article agrees with me. So, uh, max play, plus five and a half there on Team LeBron. With that, let's go to – I actually do like 
betting uh, these competitions. These are a lot of fun. And again, they're not like massive bets or anything like that. But a couple of years ago, like Bam had a bio to win the skills competition. That was like a 10 to 1 hit. Uh, I've hit on a couple of these three-point contests. They're fun little plus money props you can sit back and watch and uh, enjoy. So let's talk about the three-point contest really quickly. And if the, the odds will tell you exactly what this field is like. The names will tell you what this field is like. The field kind of stinks from like a name brand recognizability, uh, rec- recognition standpoint, whatever. Uh, Luke Kennard, the favorite at plus 450. Patty Mills, Fred Van Vliet at 5-1. to one. Zach Levine, Trey Young at plus 550. Desmond Bain at 6-1. to one. CJ McCollum at plus 750. And then the big guy Carl Anthony Towns gets in there at 11 to 1. And I kind of gave it away with uh, what we were talking about before we came in. But if we're, for me at least, so one, I mean, you're talking about like a long shot. Again, these, there's like barely any difference between these guys, right? Luke Kennard plus 450 to CJ McCollum is plus 750. And he's the second longest shot on the board. Gives you an idea of where this field is at. So to me, my eyes zeroed in on Desmond Bain. Uh, Desmond Bain to the Memphis Grizzlies. He is six to one to win this thing over the weekend. Um, and the reason why is Bain this year, and by the way, too, an improved player of the year candidate as well, most improved player of the year outside of his own teammate, John Morant. But what's been so impressive about Desmond Bain for me and why it, I gravitate toward the six to one on him, what he has done this year as a shooter and what he's done in terms of his game has been pretty incredible. So last year, Bain was a 42% three point shooter. He had 253 attempts, shot 42% on those 253 attempts. That was through 68 games. Well, we're at 56 games, and he's already shot 384 three-point attempts, and he's still shooting 42%. Desmond Bain's a knockdown shooter. He's fantastic in terms of what he's been able to do this year. His shooting has really taken off, even like usually, as you probably know this by now, uh, when you see the uptick in attempts, usually you see the efficiency dip. Has not been the case with Desmond Bain. So it's 6-1 to there. To me, that was like the the circle. I'm going to have a play on Desmond Bain to win the three-point contest coming up this weekend. Like Trey Young, like – you know, Trey Young, when you're talking about like the, the way that they have it set up, they sell those Mountain Dew balls, right? Trey Young could probably get one of those deep shots. I just, when I look at these guys and I'm picturing them in just the rack of balls, spot up, just hit three point shots to move on to the next rack. To me, I want some of these more like pure shooters, right? I, I want a Desmond Bain. Uh, like Luke Kennard could potentially be a guy as well. Uh, Patty Mills, I know, I think will be a very popular play at like five to one. But we were talking about this off the air. Like to me, and this is all just like off of. Um, uh, what's it called? My memory of watching them play. Like, is Patty Mills going to be comfortable in the grab the ball off the rack? And yes, I, I, just stay with me here. Uh, grab the ball off the rack and shoot three-point shots as opposed to the careening off of screens and in motion pulling up, right, when you come off of a hard screen to shoot. Like, there's just those little things here and there. I feel a guy like Desmond Bain would be a little bit more comfortable. Who knows? Uh, it's all speculation, and it's a freaking all-star game contest, so there's not really a lot of handicapping in there. I just like Desmond Bain as a player, and I'm going to play 6-1. to one. Now, the other competition is pretty interesting. As you see the odds one more time there, and these, by the way, are courtesy of DraftKings. The skills competition, I'm kind of bummed out. Because they changed the format here. So you see now, it's it, for those who are not familiar with it, it used to just be like a one-on-one, mano-a-mano uh, competition between two dudes, bracket format, and then, you know, you just go, you win, and then the winner eventually wins like three matchups, whatever it was. Well, now it's broken into three teams, and it's Team Rooks, Team Cavs, and Team Antetokounmpo's. So Team Antetokounmpo's, which is a long shot, it is Giannis, it is Thanasis, and did you know that there was an Alex Antetokounmpo who, who plays for the Toronto Raptors G League team? I would also say uh, Giannis and Thanasis are awesome first names. 
kind of sucks to just get stuck with Alex as your first name, but that's fine. Uh, and he's also the only guy that's on a G League team, which speaks to it. But regardless, the skills competition includes, uh, among other things, right, half-court shot at the end to win the game or to win the competition, uh, dribbling, right, skill, things like that. So it, it's like an all-encompassing skills challenge. And to me, there's a reason why the rookies are actually favored here. The rookie team is pretty sick, and it's pretty balanced. Uh, you have Josh Giddy on this team. You have Cade Cunningham, and you have Scotty Barnes uh, of the Toronto Raptors. It's a pretty well-balanced team. Giddy, as we know, we just watched him destroy the New York Knicks single-handedly, what, like a week ago or so in the Garden uh, against the Knickerbockers. So there's a lot of skill there. There's good shooting there as well between those three. Specifically, Cunningham's really come on strong. Like, There's a reason why they're a $1.25 favorite. And like to be honest with you, I think the team Cavs is not really that great. Like if you're talking about skill, because it's Darius Garland, but then it's Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley, and I don't know how all that works, but you can kind of see why uh, the team Rooks they are at odds on favorite. So uh, I'd actually wouldn't hate laying the price of a dollar twenty-five if you want to get involved in the skills challenge, but it just it takes away. Now that it's not the single guy tournament format, right? It takes away from getting the Bam out of bio at like ten to one or you know whatever it was. I think last year I had Demontis a bonus at like a double digit price as well. I'd rather have the single dudes there, just one on one tournament format. Let's get it done. All right, now we break down the slam dunk competition. No, I don't really care. I think Pritch said he was on Cole Anthony. Uh, judging like things, betting on things that are judged is, is already touch and go. So I don't know if you, I got to look this up. I was told this last night, and this kind of ties into this. So the NHL apparently had a breakaway competition during their All-Star weekend, and it's essentially like, you know, fancy breakaway, whatever, and you could have bet on that in some markets, but, like, it seemed like it was fixed and guys were getting, like, 200 points or whatever it was. Like, that's the slam dunk competition. It's it's essentially the same thing. You don't want to get involved because that gets a little too fun, and uh, you got money on the line, you don't want to do it. These other, these are actually skill-based competitions. Uh, With that, can we go back to college hoops really quickly and clean up some of the games um, that we didn't have? I know. I think some of you are clamoring for really detailed analysis on all of these guys for the skills competition. But to be honest with you, I don't know much about Alex Antetokounmpo, so I can't really break down his game. Where did we leave off in college? So we talked a little bit about Ohio State. Again, we were kind of looking ahead to next week. For those who are just joining us, you can see the screen there. Uh, For those who are listening, feaston.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Breaking down a lot of these top college hoops matchups for this coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So we left off with Ohio State. And uh, Iowa matchup, but just simply put, when we talked about that at the top of the show, Iowa defensively has been less than impressive. I'd be surprised if four was actually the number here for Ohio State. I would think this opens up a little bit higher than the four uh, and 158 projected by Ken Palm. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. Now, Tennessee and Arkansas, as we move on to, again, a really loaded SEC card this coming weekend. Really interesting. The Vols have won eight of the nine games. Lone loss to Texas. They've covered six of those. Coming off the home win against Kentucky. So you do wonder, is this like a letdown here against Arkansas? I would think not. Arkansas is an extremely good team. Uh, and to come off of that win against Kentucky and then come back against a really strong conference foe, I would think there is no letdown. And Arkansas beat Mizzou to bounce back from the loss to Alabama last Saturday. The Razorbacks have been pretty good defensively, but here's my concern. So conference play, 90.5 their defensive rating, really good, 90.5 points every 100 possessions. But they give up a good amount of threes in terms of attempts. Uh, opponents taking about 36.4% of their attempts in conference play against them from beyond the arc. You know, I think Tennessee would like that. And so if you're going to give up a lot of three-point shots as Arkansas, your offense has got to be able to get up and down the, uh, up and down the floor and operate at a high level. And Arkansas can do that, but it's also been hit and miss for times uh, in terms of Arkansas and the consistency of their offense. But, again, another tight spread. I mean, you can see this. We talk about some of these games that we're looking at. Tennessee at Arkansas projected spread of 10 
Tennessee minus one on the road. Uh, Illinois, Michigan State, projected spread, Michigan State minus one. A.J. Hogan, of course, questionable there, so we'll see if that's even going to be the case. Uh, Texas, one, one-and-a-half-point favor projected against Texas Tech. So these are going to be some really good competitions later today. Uh, and then finally, uh, we, don't, we won't have a lot of time for Marquette at Creighton, so let's just talk really quickly, Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, because – if you look at the way the Michigan has played, uh, right, Michigan, last time we saw them, good performance. That was just last night against Iowa. They've won three out of four games. Their offense seems to kind of be clicking here a little bit. They're now 20th in offensive efficiency. The problem has been their defense. Wasn't really great last time out, but the Wolverines seem to kind of be getting their feet underneath them in terms of their offensive play, and especially in-conference play. It's been pretty good for what they've been able to do. Offensive rating of 110.8 against Big Ten opponents. It's third best in the conference. So Michigan may be finding some momentum and getting to take on Wisconsin, albeit on the road, but Wisconsin, as we know, needed a really big comeback against Indiana late to get that one and uh, bounce back from the loss against Rutgers. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll wrap it up. We have best bets to get to, a recap from last night, to look ahead to the weekend as well with some plays and uh, a little bit more. Let's go to the Octagon. There's a pretty interesting card this weekend. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to this segment of The Edge brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com slash find, located store near you. That is ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Um, all right, there's a lot to get to here in the last couple of minutes. I was handed a report, a... Uh, an earth-shattering report of the National Football League that I think we should probably get to at some point. Uh, but let's get the best bets first. So uh, last night, college basketball, good on you, St. Mary's Gales. Uh, Two-and-a-half-point favorite St. Mary's is. They take care of business against San Francisco last night to get the win and the cover uh, in a, the, right, the revenge spot for the Dons. Uh, but San, San Francisco, I was talking about this with Tim Murray last night because I, uh, I was on with them um, the nightcap. Sorry to brain fart. And was discussing with this, them, which was – San Francisco is a team, it's odd, that 
really relies on their perimeter shooting, but does not shoot the ball entirely well. It leads to the offense getting insanely stagnant at times and ultimately falling short, especially in some of these games which they've blown big leads, i.e. the first game against St. Mary's. So it played out for them. So St. Mary's is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against San Francisco. Boom. Uh, the Saturday play, and, and if this and if this opens up anything higher or anything like that, we'll adjust for Monday. Uh, but Texas, uh, I'm going to lay it with Texas against Texas Tech on Saturday. I think this is going to be something where, like, the – I don't really love to just blindly play spots, but this seems like a good enough one for the Longhorns back at home against the Red Raiders after what happened in Lubbock. Beard's looking for a little bit of a, I would think, a, I don't know if you want to call it revenge or a stick it back to him-ish kind of deal, but um, it seems like a pretty good spot for the Longhorns. Uh, with that, we go to Humans, who had a couple of college basketball plays last night, both Mountain West related as well uh, for Matty Y. Colorado State laying a big number against New Mexico and Nevada laying a big number against San Jose State. Matt was on both of the dogs, plus seven with the Lobos, plus eight with San Jose State. Uh, both of those end up in losses as the two favorites take care of business. And I just want to say this really quickly um, about Nevada because we were talking about this off the air. Uh, Sean, our audio technician and myself, who loves Mountain West Hoops, uh, look out for the Wolfpack, man, especially when we get to that conference tournament. Grant Sherfield's back on the floor for them. This is now, I think, this is the fourth game that he played. They're starting to kind of find their groove offensively yet again. Uh, I would just say that maybe they're going to be entering the Mountain West Conference tournament on a little bit of a high here, especially on the offensive end of the floor, and that's always going to be dangerous when that thing takes place out here at the Thomas & Mack. Saturday's plays for you, and so again, uh, playing off of these projected Ken Palm lines and adjusted for uh, where they open this weekend. But Texas minus one and a half against Texas Tech, and then Colorado State minus three against you UNLV. Going to go to that game. So really excited to see what's going to happen there. UNLV, how about this? Uh, the Rebels continue to perform and I would say a high level for a team of at least what was expected of them coming into this year. Now pushing to go over their conference with a total before the season of eight. Already have seven, so we'll see if the running Rebels can pull that off this weekend. All right, with that, I think we're done. Uh, again, we'll, uh, we'll recap everything and all the good stuff. Humans will be back on Monday here on The Edge. Now, wanted to mention quickly UFC Fight Night this weekend. This is not like a hardcore breakdown of the uh, Fight Night card. I'm actually just more interested in it than anything else uh, because there are some pretty intriguing matchups here. And uh, you have like, uh, you know, look, at the main event, really, the light heavyweight bout, Johnny Walker, uh, Jamal Hill, that's going to be pretty intriguing. Hill, 240 favorite, uh, both really solid strikers. Uh, if you look at Walker, at least his profile and what he's been able to do, I'm really interested because it seems at least, and I haven't seen a lot of Walker, uh, but it seems that he would have a, a little bit, I don't know if you want to call it an edge, but he would be the guy to consistently try to take this to the floor and try to get something going. So I'm really I'm really excited to watch that bout because it looks like two guys who can stand up and bang if they want and Walker a little bit of extra tools in the bag. We'll see if that's going to be the case. But Hill, pretty big favorite. And by the way, VEASAN.com, go to Point Spread Weekly. Lou Finicaro has a write-up on this fight card, as he always does, so make sure you check that out. But really excited for that. And so during the like the heat of the pandemic, right, when UFC was like the first thing back, uh, one of the things that I was really doing was watching a lot of footage on guys and going back, uh, watching the CFFC, I think it was the Cage Fighting something championships. Uh, and that's where Kyle Dawkins came from. Dawkins uh, is a really good ground specialist, right? Uh, so we'll try to attempt submissions like crazy. I, I was excited to watch him fight when he came into the UFC. It's been a little touch and go. Got no contest in there, a couple of losses. H hasn't been great for a guy who was really good uh, when he was fighting in the CFFC and I think he was undefeated if I remember correctly if not only had one loss in the CFFC at that point but regardless Doc is one of the guys that I kind of had my eye on just because when he got into the UFC I uh, just happened to watch him at another level is a $2.90 favorite against Pickett this weekend again no hardcore matchup analysis here just interested to see how Doc is who's a $2.90 favorite and by the way as you can see on the card uh, they are fighting at a catch weight 
So I don't know how that works against Dawkins, but Pickett, as far as you can tell, uh, is a striker in his own right who I don't think would be comfortable on the ground. So if he can keep this up, Dawkins might be uh, in a little bit of a hard spot. But that price is representative of how good Dawkins can be on the ground and how much I think he can make this his kind of about. But overall, it's actually pretty deep. And the, the matchups, can I say, the events coming up are going to be absolutely spectacular, including uh, Santos, you were asking. Covington Masvidal is actually here. It's at T-Mobile. So at least according to their website. So that's on March 5th. Um, Covington right now about a $4 favorite. Uh, I am very big on Covington in this matchup. I think he's going to wipe the floor. Not surprising. He's a $4 favorite. Uh, I am really, really fascinated by what the market's going to do with um, the, mo- the money here and, and the number because Masvidal is like the public guy. Masvidal gets a lot of support at the window. Maybe not to the point where you know, a $4 favorite is going to get playable, but might water down the other markets, right? Covington to finish within you know, the distance, all of those things. I got to tell you, like Masvidal, I think is, and this is a, a word that we use a lot in sports that I think we use too much. I feel like Masvidal is like one of the most overrated fighters I've, I've not ever seen. But you would think the support the guy gets and how popular he is, he'd be incredible. And then you actually look at the results and eh, whatever. And Covington, I was just insanely surprised by what he did last time out against Usman in the rematch. All right. So with that, we'll, we'll spend more time on that later as we get deeper into it. This is the cool part of the year, too, by the way, because at least I think for a lot of sports bettors, this is how it works for me. This month here is when you start to, I start to pick up in terms of watching MMA bouts, things like that, getting these cards, taking them in, carries all the way through, of course, the summer and whatnot as you get more into baseball and things, and we just wait for another football season, right? That's all we're doing, just waiting for another football season. Um, really quickly, before we get out of here, because we do have time, um, we talked about a couple of these Saturday matchups. Wanted to touch on one more really quickly for college basketball because I don't think I talked about it, even though I teased it. So that would not be good of me uh, as a host. So I mentioned Oregon and how well they've been playing lately. And I wanted to put some legs underneath that, not just a throwaway statement here for college hoops because Arizona is going to take on Oregon this weekend. Oregon comes into this matchup um, right now. Uh, they did lose last time out to uh, Arizona State and actually some pretty bad losses, but what I was talking about was that four-game stretch, right? Oregon State, Colorado, Utah, and Stanford. They win those four games. At one point, they had won five out of six. The loss to Arizona State, though, uh, was pretty bad, but you wonder what the bounce back like is here for Oregon if they are indeed going to open up as like a 17-ish point underdog, total of 151, um, and it's a tough stretch for Oregon, too. Because if you look at the schedule now going forward, these are the games for Oregon to close out the rest of the season. It's Arizona, UCLA, USC. Uh, UCLA, the, uh, the LA teams, the SoCal teams, are going to be at home. And then closing it out with Washington and Washington State. Uh, but kind of thought that Oregon was turning things around. And then, of course, they fall flat on their face Thursday to Arizona State. So that's kind of the troubling part about this. Is I thought Oregon would be in a, a little bit of a um, better spot to play on here. But losing two out of three and to Cal and Arizona State coming into this matchup makes it a little less attractive. But maybe the market overreacts. Maybe we get this closer to 20, and um, maybe you get a little bit of an inflated number on the Ducks. Also, Marquetta Creighton, this is what we're talking about too, mainly because as we spoke about earlier in the week with Marquette, all right, Marquette had been flying high, looked like one of the best teams in the Big East. Uh, they, of course, take both from Villanova and um, – then find a little bit of a rough patch, right? They lose to Providence, come back in that Villanova game, but then lose to Connecticut and Butler. They get to uh, exact a little bit of revenge, and I shouldn't even say revenge, just take it out on Georgetown, who they beat up earlier in the year, 92-64. to But they only win by 11 against Georgetown, and now you come back to take on Creighton, 
And I think that's when it comes to Marquette, like, did you find a little bit of a spark earlier in the season, but now you're kind of starting to come back down to earth here, right? And Creighton, while it hasn't been the greatest competition because we're talking about two games against Georgetown uh, mixed in there with a matchup against DePaul, this team has won five out of six games and four straight. One of those wins, by the way, was Connecticut on the road. So you can see that Creighton is starting to play some pretty good basketball heading into Big East play. And the thing that has really turned, I guess, turned around for it is maybe too strong. But the thing that has started to find some consistency here for Creighton has been their offense. Offensive rating of 112.3 in the win over Georgetown and the 115.6 coming back in the rematch. Dropped to 105.2 against the Paul. And if you look at that stretch of futility that they had from the loss to Villanova down through the loss to Seton Hall February 4th, consistently getting held under a point per possession every single game but one. And that was a win over St. John's. So if this, uh, this Creighton team is starting to turn things around offensively, uh, Marquette, who has kind of started to slide here, maybe uh, in a little bit of a tough matchup on Sunday against the Blue Jays. But projected spread of one with a total of 139. We'll see if that is going to be the case by the time we get to that matchup. All right. Oh, and I mentioned this too. Worth keeping an eye on. Ron Harper Jr., unexpected to play this weekend against Purdue due to injury. Leading scorer for Rutgers. So that's a pretty big blow in an already tough spot for the Scarlet Knights. We're all done. Make sure you check out vcin.com slash podcasts. Got a new episode of Hardwood Handicappers coming up later tonight. And also, of course, My Guys in the Desert, one of the pods that you can listen to up there. And that's coming up next year on vcin. We'll see you. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.